A quick warning before we begin, our episodes are made for adult ears, so do expect to hear some swear words and occasionally some adult themes. Oh, one more thing while we're at the warnings, a note on sound quality. These episodes have been produced by us in isolation. They're not made in our usual studio, so they don't sound as slick. But bear with us. I promise you the content is worth waiting around for. Hey, Daisy, can we make some podcasts? Yeah, we've got so much time on our hands. Sounds good to me. Every day we could bring a good and a bad news item, what's keeping us going, what's making us blue, and then we'll try and get as many guests as we can. Stunning. Let's do it. This is Roisin Bevan and you're listening to Harness, Isolation Diaries. Hey Roisin. Hello darling. How are you? I'm doing very well. I feel like it's been a while since we've um, checked in. I think you're right. It has been actually. But we're both very cosy in our pyjamas in our respective time zones. So I think that is a positive. I hope that people took the time to listen to the last episode we released. This week, we're going to be going back to our usual format. Uh, So Daisy, do you have any news items that have caught your eye? I feel like we're slightly ditching the good and bad because with the state of the world as it is, I think things are a bit more grey. I think you might be right that I was thinking a lot about Pride, which was this weekend, um, the anniversary of the Stonewall riots. And there was a lot of talk about how Pride has returned to its roots. People are protesting for trans lives and black trans lives. And I just think it's such a remarkable thing to have come out of a pandemic is that we go back to what's most important about about a lot of causes and yeah pride is beautiful every year but it has become corporate and i think the whole world is recognizing the kind of um damage that capitalism has on society particularly now that we're seeing that we can work from home we can do things that work for our mental health despite being in the middle of a pandemic and we see the kind of yeah like i said the damage that capitalism has so i think that has kind of played into pride we all kind of forgot what it was about some parts are fine like we should be celebrating we should be having fun we should be able to live authentically but at the same time we can't forget that it's not pride for everyone Mm. black trans women are still being murdered at such a high rate on that days i'm going to include a link to a time um article uh that i just stumbled upon today which is exactly Mm. about what you're saying in terms of the the genocide of trans people and especially black trans women Um, i think that's absolutely apt to call it a genocide the fact that that's kind of happening at the same time as trump is revoking discrimination protections for trans people is abominable so i will include that article and boris johnson is revoking the gender recognition act so that means that people are unable to self-identify which is so interesting I didn't really realize how vital it was as a trans person to be able to self-identify because the process to being recognized as a trans person without that ability is mad like it's so intense it takes years like there's so many waiting lists and you have to go through so many hoops I was reading an article this morning on the spectator that my grandparents sent me and I thought for a minute it was about defunding the police and I was like my grandparents sending me something about that 
turns out it wasn't what I thought it was but anyway um <laughs> the way the uh writer used the term progressives as if it was like slander why would you use, you know like people saying like you lefty and it's like those progressives and I was like that term in itself yeah, why would you I, not want to progress I don't understand that it's just this weird stagnation of uh, values and tradition and it's like we stop here and we don't move on why and the kind of bleeding heart lefty thing is, is always funny to me because it's like so you, so you're literally saying that my weakness or or the people on my political spectrum their weakness is that they are big hearted <laughs> kind heart you know what uh very quickly on the karens of the world i suppose what you could say is what i found a kind of positive is the resurgence of viral karen videos which have been going around social media right now uh which are both horrifying and humiliating for them and i just think it's amazing how people are really using social media as a tool and so many black people have been posting those videos for years and years and years and so many of them have gotten only a tiny little bit of attention and that must be incredibly frustrating but it's it's so great to see karens of the world you uh, you're referring to like the women who are threatened by black people just going about their business and calling the police on them mainly yeah 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 but there's some absolute corkers absolute mm -hmm. corkers which i've been i've been in a rabbit hole daisy have you Yes. Should we listen to a few voice notes? Because people are still in lockdown in the world and coronavirus is very much still a global health threat. And uh, we don't want to skip over that. And we want to see and hear how people are going. Well, we're going to hear from my grandparents. Cute. Who've been in lockdown together on their own in a little village for all this time. So let's hear from them. Hello, I'm Grandad Ray and I'm 81 years old and I'm isolating with my wife, Janet and uh, I feel very cut off at the moment but I'm occupying myself by gardening walking two miles every day with my wife playing Scrabble with my friends around the world watching Apple, Netflix and Amazon Prime and all sorts of things so I'm not really isolated I'm busy. How many days before I crack up? I'll never crack up, never. We're not made of that stuff, we carry on, we keep going on. I'm enjoying the sunny weather, my wife's cakes, cooking, messaging, FaceTime my friends and family all over the world. So I'm enjoying it. I do miss having a haircut. Hmm, you don't need a haircut. Greg sausage rolls in the other garden with a nice cup of coffee. Berry market, socialising. Going up to London to see my granddaughter and going to a show and have a meal. One of I do miss out tremendously. I miss going to the gym and keeping fit, going for a sauna and having a little swim. But we'll get over this together. I'm told we're in it together, so carry on, carry on. God bless you all. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Janet and I'm Daisy's grandma and I'm 72. I'm a retired doctor's receptionist and I'm isolating with my husband. I'm feeling a little bit cut off, but not too bad. I'm entertaining myself with baking, crosswords, walking and cycling and hula hooping. 
How many days before I crack? Well, it's not happened yet. I'm enjoying the sunny weather too much. The worst part is not seeing my family and not having my hair and nails done and not being able to go to the shops and have a coffee out. That's really what I'm missing. And I'm missing that I can't cuddle my new grandson who's just been born. Oh, bless their little shockies. I adore them. They're the best. Before you tell us who we have on this week, can I just make a little podcast wreck? Yeah, please. So I am so obsessed with this podcast series by uh, hosted by two women and they're academics and they're brilliant called Direct Appeal Melanie Maguire. And it's if you're into crime podcasts, it's made with Melanie Maguire. And it's a serial type sort of unpacking of a closed case. And it's really interesting. And I'm up to like episode one bajillion. And Mm -hmm. I think I might be a detective now. I think you are a detective. Yeah. While we're on recommendations then, everyone in the UK has been talking about I May Destroy You. Michaela Cole, um, she is this incredible actress, comedian. Uh, she did, she wrote and starred in Chewing Gum on Channel 4, which is this really fucking brilliant comedy series. It's still on 4OD, would recommend. But I May Destroy You uh, looks at um, sexual assaults. Basically, it's brilliant. Right. Everyone is talking about it, so would recommend watching it. Cool. Daisy? Mm-hmm. on the podcast today today we have got iona and romy who run sage flowers in peckham which is one of my absolute favorite florists i follow them on instagram and then i started to see uh, them talk a lot more about black lives matter and what they were doing and they put together many things but one of the most incredible things that they did was they put together a directory of all of the people of color who run florists throughout London and also the UK. And that means that big corporations or anyone who says that they can't find florists of colour don't have an excuse. So they were really actively doing the work in their industry to make sure that people were talking about Black Lives Matter and talking about the current state that we're in. We really wanted to chat to them to see what pushed them in that direction as a small business and um, how they went about it and they were lovely and um, I want to thank them so much for taking part. Yes they were absolutely lovely and uh, here they are. Could you just tell us a little bit about Sage Flowers? So we started Sage Flowers two years ago and we've had our shop now in Peckham at 232 Rye Lane for it was a year in I think March and it's been great we started doing small pop-ups sort of in Peckham in um, Copeland Park and in around the area just selling flowers and that went really well. We've got events and we got some weddings and then we were like, okay, it's time to open a, a permanent shop now. And, and um, yeah, that was, that was over a year ago. It's great. As someone who I think has managed to kill every flower I've ever owned, I just have to look at a plant and it dies. I really don't know anything about your industry, I suppose. And I'd love to know from you guys, some of your concerns around diversity and inclusion in the flower industry. And I suppose what you have been doing as a, as a business to combat some of this. 
it's been obvious since the beginning that it's not right, that it's mostly white women working in the majority of the roles with white men, more in the market and maybe more the floral owners, I would say, floral business owners. I guess we've just accepted it for the yeah. since we started that there's this thing that it's an old school trade and it is the way it is and um for the traders they kind of bring their sons in it's all very family business so right. unless the, the sons are like reaching out and having children mixed relationships mm. there's never going to be an integration of other races in the trading and did you ever talk about it to each other did you ever notice that it was always a bit of a joke but I yeah. don't think we ever thought we'd be in a position to, to do, do anything something about it. And then British Flower Week came along, which is organized by the authority that look after the market. So the people that manage all the traders. And there was just no diversity in it whatsoever. It, this was happening concurrently with the kind of civil rights movement that we're in right now. And it just felt like, oh, we have an opportunity here that we haven't had before people are engaging and they have to listen there's so much conversation after brexit making british grown businesses allowing them to thrive so i guess like these family-based businesses just feel that threat i never spoke to anyone in the market about whether they voted brexit or not mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. because it probably works against a lot of them because we import flowers yeah so not having a european kind of not being part of the European market is probably quite bad for them, but I don't know how it aligns with their other political views. Yeah. I've, I've never had that conversation. No, 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 me neither. Um, but yeah, you're totally right. There was a level of bigotry that came out of that. I mean, even if you look at the British Flower Week logo, it's a Union Jack. It doesn't feel that inclusive to me. No. And it's just, you know, the whole British Flower Week being billed as it was with all white speakers. And it was just like this, this isn't the Britain that Romy and I belong to mm. and it's yeah. not the Britain that we subscribe to. And I think to be in this industry and have the image of, you know, the union jacks and whiteness pushed at you in, a, in the middle of a civil rights movement when that's not what you subscribe to and that's your industry saying this is what this is. Yeah. We were just like, enough is enough. Something has to change. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the steps that you guys have taken and I guess more broadly how the industry can do better? You know, at the beginning of this was kind of us donating our profits um, for a week worth of our sales, 100% worth of our profits to Colour of Change, uh, which is a charity in America that commissions research into race inequality and lobbies against it. And that happened after Ahmad Arbery got shot and killed whilst he was running. So this was kind of pre-George Floyd when the, there was sort of a groundswell happening, but it wasn't the movement that it is currently at the moment. And yeah, even, even at that point, we were like, well, right, what can, we, what can do? we do? Yeah. And at that point, it just felt like give money, give money to America somehow. Yeah. So that, yeah, we were sort of, we were starting to think about that and, you know, have just had a tough few weeks along with everyone else, I think, emotionally, on, you know, during this time. So we gave our money to Colour of Change and that was sort of pre-George Floyd. And then George Floyd happened and the riots and the protests and the looting happened and we were like, okay, this is, this is bigger than let's donate some money to a charity. This is, let's make a change. And we're lucky enough to have a very diverse and very intelligent group of friends. Mm -hmm. And seeing what other people were posting about how they're reacting 
reacting to it in their workplace, in their industry. It's so easy to feel hopeless. And both of us felt like, oh, what can we do? And it's like, okay, well, if everyone just makes a change in their industry, in their job, in their workplace, then more of a change will happen generally, I think. So then we were kind of like, okay, let's focus on what we can do in our industry. Let's, how we can actually, actually tangibly make a change. Mm. And then that was how everything else came about. And then the British Flower Week marketing campaign came out and it was just like, how can you be so insensitive yeah. in everything that's happening right now with all the protests and all the attention? Yeah, it's so upsetting when you're making such a conscious effort as such a small business and a new business to try and make a change. And then, like you say, you have these big corporations. It's an insult. And you guys, yeah, you had a bit of discussion with the flower market. What happened there? And um, what were you asking of them that they couldn't provide for you? So we kind of went nuclear, I guess, from the beginning. Like we started from a public place rather than having kind of behind the scenes talks. We just went, here is what we've said to the flower market. Everyone else post it if you agree. And that was basically saying that we were disappointed that there was no other ethnicities at all, other than white people included. And that we also wanted to know, like, if they could put some more diversity on the kind of scheduling for British Flower Week, but also what's going on in the market. All the few ethnic minorities there are, are cleaners. Yeah. And everyone else is white. So we kind of had like two prongs that we were asking about. Um, and then we got called back from the market and they were very, oh, these are all the things we're going to do. There wasn't very much evidence of anything that had been done in the past. And they very much didn't want to change anything about British Flower Week. To the point where I think she could recognize that we weren't going to be happy with that. So they started offering us prime positions in the schedule. Yeah. So we were try- they were essentially trying to bribe us with really good opportunities. And because we'd called them out publicly, that gained a lot of attention from much better known florists than us. Yeah. Um, so we had some really big players kind of engaging in it, maybe not all quite understanding where we were coming from. Right. But it led to some really positive conversations, which kind of led to us going back to the market and saying, look, we will not engage in British Flower Week unless there is a person of colour, ideally a black person on the panel, and we're happy to give up our slot so that they can do that. Mm-hmm. And their response was sort of, we don't know where these people are. We want these incredible florists and growers of color to have a platform. We want them to be found where maybe they weren't before. A lot of them, people like Sel, who grows flowers in Norfolk, she had a platform, she's an incredible grower. But just to collate mm-hmm. everything together, and it's kind of like, I don't want to have to do this work for you, but if it means these people have more of a platform and they're easier to find for you, then fine, we'll do that work for you. Your calls to action were really trying to encourage people to take their activism from being purely performative or or taking it from being online only to putting things in, in action. That's one example, but can you give some other examples about, I guess, how businesses can be more mindful of not just being performative and actually doing something in the real space? There's a lot that companies can be doing. It might not be, um, you know, not, we're not saying like you have to do everything. You have to implement everything, but you know, you're sort of publicly committing to, first of all, the Black Lives Matter campaign. Yeah. Um, is, a, is a, like the very least at start. Um, you know, publicly releasing the intentions of your company to protect non-white employees. 
at this time and just in general. A list of actions that you're going to implement to make sure that you have diversity within your company. In the next 10 years, we will have 10 more people of color in managerial roles. If you don't meet that, that's cool. But you know, you have set that and you're telling the public so you are accountable. Yeah. And that might go as far as reviewing job descriptions, reviewing the way reviews happen, performance reviews happen, so that you're bearing in mind the barriers and obstacles that non-white people face in applying for jobs and in doing their job so that you're not unfairly kind of dismissing people either from the start or throughout their employment. For sure. And, to, you know, to HR training for HR departments too about, yeah. you know, not just outright racism, but very real microaggressions that happen every day in the workplace mm-hmm. that often people of color feel they can't go to their HR department about because generally they're white and generally they don't understand. And like, how bad does it have to get before you can tell someone about it? I remember you talking in your Instagram live you were talking to Catherine Foxwell I think about employers talking to people of color talking to black people on a personable level being compassionate and not just assuming that every black person is the same in the way that they're going to be responding to this kind of event it's like why are we not making this more of a personable discussion and finding out what individuals need and I thought that was really important that you guys brought that up what has the response for you guys being particularly from others in the industry generally we've had a great response from a lot of first of all people of color saying oh i felt like this too thank like this is so great thank you because you know maybe before a lot of people felt like this and they just kind of didn't say anything or they were just kind of right and then now it's like oh actually a lot of people feel like this this isn't just us observing something this is a real thing that's happening and a spin-off is there's now a support group isn't there like inter managed yeah. within themselves um yeah like a whatsapp zoom cool thing that they're yeah. doing to just look after each other which yeah is great is great other than people of color a lot of white people a lot of white florists and growers in our industry saying thank you you know this has been great for us to hear great for us to listen to we're thinking about ways we can do more Mm -hmm. which is you know great wolves lane the flower growers in north london they were on our instagram diversity and they are doing more within flowers from the farm and within that like it's great lots of people are starting training now that's been the big reaction from florists like let's get into schools or get people in and offer free training Mm -hmm. That's incredible because like you were saying as well in the in the panel chat, how inaccessible floristry is and you need to be able to do the free work, have the traineeships and the apprenticeships like yeah. and not unpaid. And that's just not possible for so many people. So how are people meant to get into the industry? Right. And we're not saying like, you know, give up all of your paid courses and do everything for free. It's just like you can give three places to someone at a super reduced rate or you can do five scholarships yeah. a year you can still have people mm. paying five and a half grand for a four-week course but think about how you build into that how you cater for people that can't afford it and if it's all right to ask how are you both feeling you know what are the i know you've talked about the discussions and the feelings that have come up within your industry and how how are you both going mm, i think we're both exhausted yeah we've agreed to take yeah holiday because it's I mean I'm white I I can't even imagine what other people are going through but just having to repeatedly explain to ignorant people what's happening is tiring so Mm. having to argue about very basic rights having to say stop being racist and people say but is like Mm. (laughs) tiring and exhausting and you know I'm I'm mixed race 
I'm, I'm light skin. I don't have the same lived experiences as a lot of black people as most black people. So even for me, I'm, it's like, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm a person of color, but you know, the experiences that black people have, I, I, I don't have, and I can't subscribe to, and it's exhausting sort of be, you know, for them, like for sure, but being an ally too, and just, you know, putting a lot of effort whilst also in quite rightly, which is, you know, what we're trying to do and make a change. And also seeing a lot of our contemporaries and a lot of companies go back to normal, go yeah. back to business as normal. And it's Instagramming flowers again. And we're doing, mm. you know, we're sold out this week or, you know, get your bunches this. And it's just like, you so see it and you think, okay, so you posted a few, you posted a, two links to places to donate to and maybe one petition to sign. Perhaps you put up a black square and now it's back to business to normal. And it's hard not to feel like really let down by that. Yeah. And you guys are really leading by example and it's amazing. And that's why we wanted to talk to you like, because we want to make sure that this conversation is continuing mm. and it's not going to lose traction. So thank you for all of your work. I just wanted to quickly mention on your Instagram, you did say something about uh, opening up resources for people of color and just wanted to know what you had on offer in that way. This is exciting. So we have, is it 17 people now? Yeah. 17 people got in touch after that Instagram post. And what we're going to do is do across three months, three different workshops with like support and advice around the sides. And the idea is to teach people like the need to knows of floristry technically, but also the running the business aspect, if that's what people are interested in. And then when we finish this three months, we're going to start a new cycle and hopefully we'll have another 15 people joining up. And it's a bit tricky with social distancing to get this sort of stuff going, but we've managed to get a local restaurant. Yep. to let us use their space on the day they're shut so we can all spread out. Yep. And actually since then, a lady that used to work for McQueen's, which is like one of the biggest training schools for floristry, has come across and said she wants to help us. And we think we might be able to get some flowers donated. Yeah, it's so exciting. Mm. You know, for us, like donating a 100% worth of profits for a week in the middle of coronavirus for a two-person business, mm. we can't really afford that. We can't really afford to pay like which will be thousands of pounds to train people and even just flower cost alone but the cost never even came into our mind and I think that's another reason why it's so upsetting to see people doing the least like if we as a two-person business can pay for people out of our own pockets to be trained that wouldn't necessarily have access to this industry otherwise then you can like chill on posting your flowers for a week and you can do some more too yeah no shit brilliant <laughs> thank you so much for your time and for explaining all of that to us and we're really really appreciative and your humanitarian work and your work in your business is brilliant so thank you so much thank, thank you for having you. Us. yes thank, thank you for yes. doing what you're doing it's it oh. all comes together it's all part of for sure. how we make this change thanks for listening to this episode of harness isolation diaries we are proud friends of Rafiki Moema and the Carly Ryan Foundation. Both of these charities work tirelessly to protect young people from harm. Information about both charities will be in the show notes. If you would like to share your story of isolation, we would love to hear from you. On our Instagram page, you'll see a little pro forma for some prompts about how you can structure your voice note, though feel free to get creative. Whatever you come up with, please email it to projectharness at gmail.com.
Thank you once again for listening. You're really, really important to us. Please continue to share, like, subscribe, all that wonderful, wonderful stuff. Bye.